Welcome to the Becoming Titans podcast. I'm Russ Yeager, founder and CEO of Body Transformation University. I help busy business owners and executives get a beach-ready body without killing themselves in the gym hours every day, giving up the foods they love, or taking away time from their family or business. I believe putting your health first is the most important thing you can do to propel your business and financial success, ignite passion in your relationships, and to live a happier, more fulfilled life. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing inspirational podcasts on the planet in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Yeah, that last name is Maya Hufa. Hi, Rosemary. Hi there. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and what you do? Absolutely. Yeah. So my name is Axel Mayhofer, like we said, and uh, I'm originally from Germany, kept some of the accents. Still. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I came over to the United States 26 years ago uh, with the Air Force in an exchange program and then retired a while ago, became regular employee and then started my own business. And the last few years, as part of that business, I was always looking at how can I actually develop some sort of retirement income for myself that would support me and my family um, in the future without necessarily being dependent on any kind of other programs or government things or stuff like that. And I, when I looked around, I found that real estate investing was for me at least the best way to go. And I think it's normal. You talk to people about it and you know, when, when you have regular conversations and sit around or glass of wine or whatever, <laughs> and I told them about it and they said, oh, that sounds interesting and this sounds interesting. And over time, it became more and more, hey, you should actually let other people do this. And so I created what's, what we now call Idea Wealth Grower and offer like experiences and support and, and mentorship in that area. So do you help, what's your age range for your ideal client? Well, I find there's actually kind of two groups. The one group, and I wish I, I would have been smart enough to be in that group when I was that age, is I would say about like early 30s to about 45, where people really start realizing, okay, I'm coming in into work life and, and family life and stuff like that. And I'm kind of wondering how is my future going to look like and how can I change it myself, right? Like if going with your title, how can I become a Titan and how long do I have to do it? So that's the one group. And then the other group is, I would say, between 45 and like late 50s. That's I've done a bunch of things, but they haven't really generated the results that give me the impression that I can ever stop working. Is this a forever activity or is there something else? And then some people like see me on a podcast like yours or um, read something on, on any platform or come to our website or however they find us and see that I'm basically recommending, even if you're living in an area that is relatively uh, expensive and might not look like you can do a lot of investing, there are ways to work your way to what I call the time freedom point, basically a point in the future where your passive income exceeds your expenses and you can do whatever you think you're passionate about. So as people get older and they start looking at their finances and they're like, Oh, I don't have money. Like you said, to invest into real estate and start building my wealth. I maybe I feel like it's too late or those kind of things that come to mind. Um, how old can you be when you start investing to build your nest egg to know that it's going to help you in the long run? Well, if you were to say, you know, is there a point when it's too late? I would say probably not. 
On the other hand, to really get to this, what I would say, time freedom point, um, and especially assuming that number, the older you get is probably higher. You know, when you're younger, you might say, I'm good with two or $3,000 a month. As you get older and depending where you live, it may be more like closer to 5,000 or even more than that. So I would say from the easiest, basically little calculation uh, that I would recommend uh, rather than naming a date or an age would be to say, in your mind, think about when you think you would want to, at the latest, be able to stop working and deduct about eight or nine years from that. That's typically the amount of time. And, and that would assume that you can actually really become active, right? If you, eight years from retirement, have absolutely zero, it's probably going to still be very, very much troubling and, 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 and a struggle. But typically, when you get a little older, at least I always hope this for everybody, um, you have some experiences, you probably have done some things, you may have some money in a 401k plan, or other things in other places, you may have some assets, or you may be able to do an additional job that brings you enough money to at least get started, right? So that about eight, nine years deduction from the date in the future that you think for yourself to retire is probably the latest you should consider to still have the ability to do it this way. There are probably other ways, but the way that we recommend, I would say that about as long as it takes. When you meet with a new client, what is uh, one of the first strategies that you do with suggest for them um, in their financial? The very first thing that I always want to establish is what is your BHAG? I don't know if you've heard that, no. but that's an abbreviation. Um, I heard it the uh, first time from Brandon Bouchard, and it uh, stands for Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. Oh, yes, I have heard that. I just haven't heard it as BHAG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, and the reason I asked that first is, you know, some people might say, you know, I want to do ABC, or I want to find investments that are home runs, like, you know, if you bought Tesla stock two years ago or something like that. And I want to establish initially, is your goal aligned with what I can help you with? Because for me, credibility is extremely important. And I think credibility, at least in my world, comes from I'm trying to help you with things that I have actually experienced. Right. So if somebody says, oh, I would really love to be the owner of a mobile home park or a storage unit. I would say, well, I know the industry well enough to point you to some people, but it's not my expertise. Right. right? Versus somebody saying, I really like this idea that even though I live in a place where it may not work, I can invest out of state and have it all done for me and still generate this passive income. That resonates. And here's the number that I'm aiming for, even though I can't really explain why it's that number right now. Then I can say, okay, that big goal somewhere in the future is aligned with what I can help you with. And now let's let's go to step two. I love those goals. Those are really interesting because I could see how owning a storage unit business would bring you financial gains over time while you're retired. Um, so that's a brilliant strategy. What is um, what is probably the number one strategy that uh, or purchase that people make that ends up being the best investment as far as your clients go? Well, in our approach, I call that the out-of-state residential real estate investing strategy. And I call it out-of-state because many times, unless you're, you happen to be in a state that is kind of like relatively affordable somewhere in the Midwest, to get the investments, which are anything from a single family residence to like a duplex, triplex, fourplex, that's kind of the 
core of our strategy. Those are not right around the corner of most people's homes. And so then the question becomes, okay, how do I know what is a good property to invest in, whether it's a single house or duplex or something like that? And I always uh, teach that what you want to look for is performance. And I define as a starting point, there's a million other things, but as a starting point to say performance is the ratio between the cost for something like a single family home and how much does it pay me? So an example would be you find a house in the Midwest or I help you find a house in the Midwest for $100,000 and you want performance to be defined as it pays me $1,000 or 1%, right? If that's a yes, if we look at that ratio and say, yep, it does that or pretty close 0.96 or 1.1 or something like that. Then we can say, okay, now let's look at all the other stuff. Is it a good school district? Is it in a nice neighborhood? Is it, you know, in a growing area? Is it surrounded by nice other things that we want to have? What is the rent level? All these other questions. But first we want to know, does it perform, right? And so the idea is on, on your question about what do people do when they follow our strategy is, in this in this industry, it's a little weird because they, people talk about how many doors do you own. And the reason they talk about doors rather than properties is if you were to buy, like I do for myself, only single family houses, then they have one entry door, right? So the right. doors and the houses are the same. But if somebody says, no, I'm into duplex or triplex or something like that, then that one house can have two, three, four doors. And so the point becomes, okay, how many, how much money do I get per door? And I always say for your own calculation, you're probably well advised if you go with about $200 per door, right? And then things start emerging to become a little bit more transparent, right? If you say, okay, I have determined sometime in the future, this point, this time freedom point is $4,000 a month for me, for whatever reasons you, you came up with. Well, then you know, if I had the money today to buy 20 doors, times $200 is 4,000, I could quit. Now, most people that come to us or I've met don't have the ability to buy 20 doors or 20 houses all at once. But you have now a path, a journey that you can get on, right? And in the reality, if you dive a little deeper, which is then kind of the third step that we, that we go through, is first look at where are we? What's your foundation? What's your personal balance sheet, as I call it? And What's that number? Let's like we said that four thousand dollar, and then we we see how we can actually get there, right? Like what's the first door or the first property that we can get and keep going? And the reality is because it takes, like I said, typically anywhere from eight to ten years. During time, you wouldn't buy a house and rent it for the same thousand dollars forever, right? So you start with those two hundred bucks, but a year or two later, you increase the rent, let's say by hundred bucks. So now it's three hundred. Another two year or two later, you increase the rent again by 100 bucks, and now it's 400 because all your other costs remain the same. So any increase in, in income goes directly to what you get. So in reality, and I know this is maybe a little bit overwhelming, but in reality, you really don't end up with 20 houses, but more like anywhere between 10 and 15, or doors, I should say. Doors. Right. So what happens when you have a client come to you, let's say... They're in their 30s and they're still maybe they might have, you know, when you're in your 20s, you struggle, you go probably go into debt. I mean, there's a lot of things that happens in your 20s. There's a lot of struggle, a lot of pain, a lot of learning lessons. And they come to you and they don't have good credit. They don't have any money, 
but they, they are ready to grow their wealth. Mm-hmm. What do you do with a client like that? Because I would imagine a lot of people in that situation would shy away from even talking to you because they feel like they don't have the ability to do that anything with what they yeah. have. Yeah, I hope they wouldn't, but you're probably right. Uh, at least in, initially, you know, and especially since we have these discussions about divisions and and the haves and the have-nots and and stuff like that, then you know, I I think we are more and more triggered by the media or otherwise to to make that decision. Where do I see myself? I I want to tell everybody, your audience, and anybody else out in the world, there's not nothing wrong ever. I believe with having a conversation just to figure out what's going on. Be curious, be be inquisitive and just have the conversation. And I'm always available to have that conversation. That's one of the reasons why on the website, we literally have the very first thing that pops up as a complimentary call, right? Because I think unless we talk just kind of like what we're doing right now, we can't get to know each other. We can't identify each other's situation. But to your question, what would I actually do is first to find out what would be the quickest path for you to basically fix the errors of the past, Mm -hmm. right? And that can be, you know, how can you improve your credit score? What is the right strategy to get rid of certain debts that you may have at the time thought would be smart and now know they're not really that smart? Um, Is there a way that you can basically use your time more efficiently? And how can I, and this is always a matter of mindset and motivation, is how can I activate and motivate you to see basically that spending time on that journey to this time freedom point is worth it rather than saying, okay, I am being overwhelmed by the external environment, by all the things and demands that come to, to me. And so the what appears to be the little time I have, I need to just sit down and, and, and do nothing, right? So if you can use the time that is already allocated for certain things more efficiently and make more time available, then you can take advantage of this additional time to turn it into generation of income, right? You can say, okay, is there a way, even if it's just a couple hours a day, and I know right now with the pandemic, it's a little weird, but uh, um, to do for uh, Uber Eats, right? Or mm-hmm. for Lyft, or, or um, is there something that I can do online that people would be interested in? Do I have a skill that I can explore that people are willing to pay for? So on the one hand, in the first step, you would try to get on a path of fixing the errors of the past. But for me, the really important thing in this context is we do this either begrudgingly or we do this in a really motivated way. And the more motivated you are, the faster you can do it, right? And so that's what my first step would be in this situation. If somebody that have all this kind of baggage that I bring to the table, I don't feel I'm even ready to think about investing in something new. I'm still kind of struggling with, with what I've done in the last 10 years. Well, then the first step is to try to help and fix that, right? And fix it as quickly as possible, assuming you are on board for this journey to the time freedom point. Because if your journey is a different journey, then you need somebody else to help you on that on that journey. Yeah. So be brave and just get started. Be willing to be vulnerable and have the conversations so that you can change your life to live the life that you want to live. Well, and the thing is, I really totally agree, Rosemary. There's also a component there where I would say, if you feel ashamed of things that you have done in the past and you're hiding them, you're also robbing yourself of the opportunity to get help. 
Yes. Right. So somebody like me, I I'm, don't judge anybody on what they did. My whole purpose is helping others help themselves become successful in the future. And whether so, you're already, you know, like well on your way or you haven't really started yet, well, that's just your starting point. So when you started this, when you decided you need to, to make a change for your life, what did your life look like then? And how did you build this and um, work this out with while having a family? Um, and were you working for somebody else at the time while you were building it? Yeah, I mean, the bit, there is. I had to learn there is something that a lot of things, hopefully the majority of things that you do consciously. And then there is sometimes things that you do unconscious or subconsciously and you only later realize that the things that were done in that way were basically um, meaningful and, and getting you started. So this is a weird way of describing what I call my unintentional Hansel and Greater strategy. And the reason for <laughs> that is, you remember when, when we started, I said I was with the Air Force and anybody who knows uh, an Air Force officer knows you typically get moved around every two or three years, which was right. for me. And because I was German Air Force and, and working with the U.S. Air Force, I didn't have quite the eligibility for everything that a, a full-on U.S. Air Force officer has, which also includes base housing. Now, it's anyway not, in my view, always ideal when the boss is living right right with the people in the same <laughs> neighborhood. So it was most places was encouraged to live outside of the base. And for me, that then brought up the question, this is the kind of subconscious, unconscious part to say, should I rent or should I buy? Right. And ultimately, I felt mm, I know I'm going to be here for two or three years. And if I'm being moved earlier, then, you know, I have the military clause that's going to protect me. Anybody who is in real estate in any way as a landlord, you know, there's always a clause in every contract that says military members getting new orders have to be left let go and they, you can't make them stick to the contract and stuff. Like I knew this for myself. So several times we said, no, I think we should buy it. it you know, the circumstances were right. We bought a house and then we get no uh, orders to move to another place. And that wasn't always the best time to already sell it two years later. So we kept it and rented it. But that was one. Ah. We moved to the next location more, more, more often than not, bought another house. Right. And so we had a few breadcrumbs on our path through the military journey, so to speak. And ultimately, as we had the first few, I started thinking, okay, I got to learn a little more about this stuff and just having a house and not being closed. And you can probably see already, why is this guy now proposing a strategy out of state? Well, because I was, (laughs) without my own influence, kind of forced to do a lot of things from one state into another state or into a faraway place based on these assignments. Well, and uh, when I started digging into it, I learned that even though at the time it sounded like a pretty cool idea to buy these houses and then rent them out, it wasn't performing, right? That brings us back to where we started. Uh These properties were just barely covering the cost, which at the time I thought, oh, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, it is maybe okay, but it's not good. And it doesn't help you ultimately to say, well, I don't really need a job anymore. I made it to my time freedom point, right? And so I ultimately, what I ended up doing is step-by-step uh, selling these properties and 1031 exchanging them into a real performing portfolio, which I have now and keep growing. But that's how it started, basically, like leaving little crumbs. 
on the little, well, little is, is matter of perspective, you know, from an <laughs> aviator, everything down there looks tiny. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I like your bird's eye view. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so um, for someone who is older and they're, they're at that six to eight year mark that you were talking about, um, what is the first step for them to take as far as getting into this game of real estate and investing to set up a good financial freedom for themselves? Yeah, in my experience, what you find is that people who are a little older have typically already a residence. And, mm -hmm. and lately, I find that a lot of people after 2008-9 with that financial crisis, if they after that, some at some point after they've gotten into a residence, they're probably still in that residence. Um, partially because the criteria were much harder to even get a house and a mortgage and all that kind of stuff. And what I find in that particular age group is that a lot of people um, have quite a bit of equity in their residence. And they're not necessarily aware what could I do with this with this equity because the mindset initially as a as an owner occupant somebody who is living in his or her own home the mindset is my goal is to pay this off and I'm not saying anything is wrong with that mindset but while you're paying it off with your regular monthly mortgage payments you can take advantage of this equity that's sitting in there and activate or some people call that velocity of money make that money work for you right so i'll give you a quick example let's say you bought a house for two hundred thousand dollars somewhere like eight years ago and now it's worth you could just go on zillow and look at the estimate that zillow gives out and it says three hundred fifty thousand. right so there's a hundred fifty thousand dollars equity that you gained and you probably paid something down from when you originally bought it so maybe it's like Ten or twenty thousand dollars that you bought down, so you have like anywhere between one hundred fifty and one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars of equity. You can go to a lender and say, "I want a loan on this equity," and they typically give you about seventy percent. Right. So if you think about that, that is probably let's just say for easy numbers, a hundred thousand dollars. You can take these hundred thousand dollars and buy five little $100,000 properties that we discussed earlier, where each of them is paying you after everything $200 a month, right? So you're making $1,000, but you can use those $1,000 to pay, to put into the loan that you got in the first place. So you're not paying anything out of pocket, but those $150,000 that were just sitting there on a piece of paper are now distributed in five little houses, and the tenants paying off these houses and the leftover cash flow money pays off the loan, right? And so ultimately, instead of having one house that's worth $350,000, you have five little $100,000 houses. So your, your path to becoming a Titan has gone from $350,000 to $850,000. I love that. I love that. That's a great strategy. So my question would be then would be my thought is you have four properties now that you have to manage with tenants and the upkeep and the repairs. How does somebody who's never done this before manage that? Yeah, and that's part of the strategy. You remember I said out of state and the way out of state works is by working with a select uh, group of what is called turnkey providers. Those are companies who in a nutshell, what they do is they find what I call the ugly duckling in a the neighborhood. They fix it all up. They sell it to you or me 
for a price that is slightly below or at what it would appraise. Just like when you buy a house, you go and get an appraisal to make sure it's really worth the asking price. The same thing would be true here. So let's say they, they're willing to sell it to you for $100,000. Appraiser goes out and says, yep, it's worth one hundred five. Okay, all good. So they found it, they renovated it and sell it to you for hundred. But, and here's the important thing, they also going to manage it for you. So they get the tenant, they do the repairs if there are any and so forth, all those things that are related. And why I'm so adamant about that particular aspect of the turnkey provider is, think about it. If you were the person who renovates something that you know six months later you need to manage for someone, you would make sure that you do a good renovation so the management is easy and you can collect those 10% management fee without ever having to really do anything. I did not realize that people who flip the homes and turnkey them were actually property managers as well. Yeah, they're called turnkey providers. Huh. I did not so know they that. They literally provide you a turnkey deal where they found the house, renovated it, sold it to you, and manage it for you. And Brilliant. Today, I have 10 of those, and I don't do much of my own at all. I just, month every month, I have a conversation with them to go through, you know, did we get the rent? How long is the rental agreement? Were there any repairs? And by the way, those $200 I was talking about, that's after everything, after your reserves put aside, your management fee, your property taxes, your mortgage payment, all of it, right? So you basically outsourcing the whole deal and the only th only thing that you have is two things you own it and you collect your passive income well this has been a very enlightening episode i have to say <laughs> where can people get connected with you well the easiest way like i said go to idwestcore.com and you can you know get a free conversation with me you can also uh, get a free mindset menu there you can sign up for our newsletter i think that's always the easiest way and i'm sure rosemary you're going to put the link somewhere absolutely thank you axel for your time you I, I really appreciate all that you share with us truly valuable for our listeners awesome thank you rush yeager here Thanks so much for listening to the Becoming Titans podcast. If you're a successful business owner, entrepreneur, or executive, consider your company as having a true purpose and would like to be a guest on this program, please visit rushyeager.com forward slash apply. And hey, if you got value out of the interview today, I'd be so grateful if you simply would share it on your favorite social media platform. And if you know someone who would be a great guest for the show, tag them on social media to let them know about it and include hashtag Becoming Titans. I love seeing you guys' posts and guest suggestions. We're regularly putting out new episodes and content, so to make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and really mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more about what I do, go to RussJager.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram, all under my name. Thanks again for listening. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you next time.